0: Because I haven't talked about this. But you know, I reached out to Jelly I got a chance to talk to Kenneth, you know, his mom, his sister, just just the family, you know, going back and forth with Vanessa. There's another side of the story that a lot of people don't know about him and how much he studied the game, how much we were alike, you know what I mean? Just our work ethic and just studying the game and watching video and being a student of the game. And I kinda had saw these interviews with other people and I'm like
1: they don't really know him. You know, they know the basketball player, but they don't know so. In today's episode, we're going to be talking with Lisa Smooth Leslie, powered by BetOnline.ag on CLNS Media. Uh, this young lady, probably a legendary player in California, uh, when I got with the Los Angeles Sparks and I came, she was on the team. She's known to everybody as Lisa Leslie, but I gave her a nickname called Smooth because her game was so smooth. So everybody, Smooth in the house.
0: <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Thank you for the intro. I do love that name, Coop. I actually put it on my license plate it's on my first car, so I oh, appreciate
1: sorry. your house. Name loves you. Smooth, uh, so there's a lot of things we want to talk about. Uh, I think uh, the most important one, though, is how are you doing during this crisis time that we're having?
0: Yeah, we're we're doing good. I mean, we're blessed. We have no complaints. Uh, to be able to have enough space in the house and the kids are homeschooling is definitely different. Um, it's just, you know, it's challenging because, you know, you got to stay on schedule with Lauren being in middle school. She changes classes. So that's been, you know, challenging just keeping her, you know, locked in in that. And then with uh, MJ, he's in elementary school. And he has a, a few different times where he has to be on face-to-face with his teacher. So it's definitely a full-time. I mean, school is is probably taking up the bulk of our time, but we get a chance to go out in the front yard and uh, we put a basketball hoop up because, you know, MJ has to get his shots up and dribbling. Lauren hits our tennis balls against the garage. So we try to keep our workout in. And then Mike and I take, you know, walks, were about two or three miles around, uh, you know, the neighborhood, but it's definitely a different life, you know, it's challenging, but we can't complain, we're, we're healthy, my mom's healthy, my sister, my whole family here, so, you know, I, there's many people out there in need, and so we try to do as much as we can, you know, Michael's still flying because he had to get the ventilators and masks from one part of the, the world to the other, so that part's been a little challenging as well, but overall, we're doing great.
2: You know, Cooper was telling me a story, speaking to your kids about when you were pregnant with your daughter and, and, you know, he was the coach of the Sparks and you're playing for the Sparks that that you were working out every single day at six o'clock in the morning up until you're nine months pregnant.
0: Yeah, well, with the first baby, I was good. Uh, The second one, not so much, but yeah, Lauren, you know, I just felt like um, I was carrying her high, which is, you know, most women would understand when your baby's up high, you're able to sort of. Move and still work out, so I used to go to practice every day and get on the uh, what was that thing called the elliptical and you know I tried to get out there and post up a few times until my belly got too big for that. Um I love working out, which I think passed on to my kids. they love working out. My daughter loves working out. she's in my belly the whole time working out, so um it was a lot, you know, so much fun, and I enjoyed it. I think with my son after i retired it was a lot tougher he was a lot heavier i carried him lower so i'd like work out one day then i had to lay down for a whole day <laughs> you know the next day but you know i love working out and i think that's probably why um, you know i've been able to stay you know fairly i look pretty much the same as i did when i played because i actually enjoy working out so i think the key probably for and Couple know just to be successful as a player you kind of have to be a gym rat you got to love it you you can't dread being in the gym you know, working out. I loved meeting Coop, you know, we probably four or five days a week. We met somewhere between 5.30 and 6 a.m. You know, I never missed a day. Coop never missed a day. We're both morning people. So I always appreciated, you know, the commitment that you had to me as a player and my desire to want to get better, but you're also just your influence and your consistency to be there.
1: Well, you know what? I think <clears throat> one thing about today's younger players is that I, I believe they work out, but that commitment has to be there all the time. And, I mean, smooth, like she said, was always there. Uh, she, As she got further along in her pregnancy, uh, I think she went like eight, seven and a half, eight months. So all we did was stand around and shoot. But you have to have that workout mentality uh, to sustain uh, your conditioning and to sustain a style of play. And I think that's the one thing that I – come in smooth with because she was always there up to her seven eight months of pregnancy. once she couldn't do all those other things well, all we did was stood around and shoot she would shoot 100 shots 200 shots and she was such an athlete and such a competitor she wanted to kind of like jump sometimes and tell no no smooth calm down but uh just to keep shooting the basketball and i think the one thing she really relied on was that touch you know because you can lose that when you go several days and sometimes weeks without shooting a basketball but uh she did a great job i always enjoyed that about you smooth and thank you for being on time early in the morning i really do appreciate that
0: <laughs> well, you did you did tell me that and i and i'm even that way through my life now like 15 minutes early to everything or you if you are on time you late that's what you used to tell us so uh which you know i think i got that also my mom my mom was my mom is a late person and so when you're a kid and you have to be at practice, your parents don't understand, like, you can't just walk in when it's time for practice or a few minutes late. So that actually started for me in high school that I just hated being late when I had to rely on someone else to take me. And so it kind of carried over. By the time I got to the Sparks and with you, and you were like, you know, if you're you 15 minutes, if you're arriving here 15 minutes, uh, you know, early, then you're on time. And so for me, I'm like, oh, this is perfect. I can come shoot early. You know, you were always there. So for me, it worked great for me in my mind. I think we have the same kind of discipline and mindset. So mm-hmm. we we never have any problems. I think sometimes some players, is a little bit different. You know, they they come in late, they leave early. You know, that whole mentality, I used to get so pissed off with, you know, some other teammates that didn't have that same, like, will and drive to want to win because you got to win in practice to me. You win in practice and then the game is easy. But if you come in – and all week you were in practice and giving half effort, what do you, how do you expect to have success in the game, you know?
1: Hey, smooth. with basketball, again, coming back here, with, like you just mentioned a little bit about high school, with basketball being such a man's sport when you first started playing, going through high school, and then eventually to college here at the University of Southern Cal, what was your mentality or your drive was to continue playing, but what was your mentality, like knowing that basketball, people thought women couldn't play the sport of basketball?
0: You mean once I got to SC or in high school?
1: Well, going through high school and then trans transitioning, going to SC.
0: You know, honestly, I, I wasn't really privy to the idea that women couldn't play uh, or that what society thought, you know, when you're younger you, and we didn't have all these TV channels and all this internet, you know, so I didn't think to think less of myself that I couldn't do it. Uh, I think with my mom being a truck driver and me seeing her mm-hmm. driving her truck and, you know, that's a true, truly masculine job. But. You know, she always had her lipstick tucked in her bra and her nails polished, you know. So I'm just like, I can do anything but maintain my femininity. I think that's what I saw in my mom. So for me, it was kind of like, you know, I played with magic. I played with the guys. I played with men all the time. But I would wear, you know, my shorts were short or my, you know, my stuff was matched up or I had on pink because I, I didn't want people to think I was a male. That was my thing. But as far as playing I never thought that I couldn't do it. I just, I I admired men playing basketball and, you know, it started really with you guys with Showtime. Um, Byron Scott and I both coming from Morningside High School. Byron was kind enough to come back to Morningside and take our boys and girls team to you guys practice and to like the labor game. And I mean, that probably didn't seem that big for him, but he touched my life in that way because that's how I, that was my first exposure to pro basketball to, to watching you guys practice I'm like this is the I mean, we were sitting way up in the rafters but it didn't matter we were in the forum. that was my first time ever getting into the form and so I think all those little pieces of watching and being inspired really from Showtime Lakers from you guys was what drove me and then I saw one interview where Magic was talking and you know everybody knew Magic was you know Magic is Magic but Magic was talking about his teammates and he was like you know, we need to win. We need a basket. I'm going to get the ball to big game James. And I'm like, dang, you know, who's big game James? So I watched James Worth, and I just kept keeping an eye on him. And he was like an amazing scorer, as you know, your teammate. You know, you guys were all amazing, but you were a team. And so that is what inspired me, watching Showtime Lakers, watching you guys coop with your socks up, you know, your defense. I mean, I'm like, dang, if, if, if anybody was going to get shut down, Koopa was gonna be on him, you know what I mean? And so Kareem, the the hook shot and his presence and and just blocking shots. So I honestly was inspired watching you guys, but not thinking because I'm a female I can't do it. Uh, that, so that, that was-
1: along those lines and looking at that. As you go through Southern Cal, you play four years there, and then the most at that time people thought the pinnacle or the your ceiling was the Olympic Games. So you finally become an Olympian and you win the Olympic gold medal and stuff like that. Then the WNBA comes into existence. What did you think about that?
0: I was not ready. I was a hundred percent not ready. I thought that the Olympics was the end of my career. I thought I retired in Atlanta. I went on and signed a modeling contract. I was in New York, and then they approached about the ABL, and I was like, nah, you know, I'm kind of busy. I don't really want to commit to do that. Then we heard the WNBA was going to start, which was like women's NBA, and I'm like, oh, well, if I'm going to play anything, I'll definitely play in the WNBA, but I thought it was going to be a summer league. Like, I thought we were going to play a Long Beach State and wear reversible jerseys. Like, nobody ever mentioned the forum. You know, nobody mentioned that the Sparks were going to be connected to the Lakers. Like I wasn't ready. So the real truth was, I showed it up. I hadn't played basketball since the day I left the Olympic stage and got the gold medal. The whole year I had not played basketball. I came showing up just like, okay, I can, you know, I can play ball. But I wasn't ready. I mean, I remember the jump ball and, and just the form, everything. And I was like, oh, this is for real. Like this is serious. And I did not train. You know me. I'm very regimented I'm gonna train I'm gonna lift weights I wasn't ready I mean I missed the, the dunk but that day I almost got hung on the rim it was just like I wasn't ready and I had no idea that the stage was gonna be what it was I wasn't ready
2: along those lines I mean how amazing it is, is to see you know your involvement with the WNBA at the beginning to where women are in the sport of basketball today not just the WNBA but I mean look at the NBA Becky Hammond and assistant coaches uh, across the league executives across the league I mean can you just kind of speak to that
0: yeah well for for me I've always had the bigger picture of it wasn't just about basketball it was about an opportunity we had a platform we had cameras we had the opportunity to be a role model so for me I I was a part of, you know, trying to help the league, whether we, I would go fly to New York and be in meetings for, you know, back then Sears and American Express and our our very first um, uh, sponsors. And I understood the importance of networking with those and and cultivating those relationships, signing autographs everywhere we went, um, being just out there. And I thought that the first group of women, we really understood that it was bigger than basketball, but all of that really came from that 96 Olympic team. We had the same idea that we had to do outreach in the community. We had to do all these interviews. We had to do public speaking. Um, we had to go and do, you know, go sit and talk to every reporter. we went through media training. So we were already prepared and programmed that no matter what anybody asked of us, we were prepared to do it. We didn't get paid to do it. It was a part of sort of growing the game, if you will. And so to see the WNBA fast forward to now, in some ways, I'm always thinking like the ladies have to still keep in mind that we're growing the game, that we're a product, that you have to uh, recognize that we have to give up our time and give back to the community. And I think we're doing a really good job. I love uh, where the WNBA is. I love the relationship that the NBA has with the WNBA and helping it to grow. Uh, the television contracts and really uh, what the players association has been able to do with the union of that um, has continued to grow. And then the last thing I'll say is just what's really shifted. I think more publicly now than ever is just the support of the NBA players supporting the league. And as we saw with um, our late great Kobe Bryant, just recognizing the value in what we're out there doing.
1: Smooth, uh, if someone, NBA team, were to come and say, hey, Lisa, come on, we need you on our coaching staff, would you come? Hi, this is Michael Cooper. Currently, with no NBA, NHL, or MLB, you might think there's nothing to bet on. Well, you'd be wrong. Our exclusive partner, Bet Online, still has hundreds of events games, and props to wager on, from their online casino to poker and blackjack, as they are bringing the Vegas to you. Missing the NFL? No problem. BetOnline has live daily Madden NFL 20 simulations you can wager on. If you're into entertaining betting, you can still bet on Survivor, Big Brother, American Idol, stock prices, and even the Nathan's Hot Dog Eating Contest. Open twenty-four hours a day, all online. Visit the website or use your mobile device and join today to receive your new welcome bonus. Bet online, your online wagering solution. If someone, NBA team, were to come and say, Hey Lisa, come on, we need you on our coaching staff, would you come?
0: Um, I would have to really consider it and think about first where's that team? <laughs> <laughs> Um we go to Memphis <laughs>
1: yeah, you know, I, I don't
0: know, some some places I'm just like it's too cold for us but uh, you know it really would depend I have to sit with you know with my family my husband and kind of figure out what's the best next steps for, for us but I would never say no I wouldn't coach and do that
1: because the game definitely needs you so again uh, as we talk about you and you being scared coming into the WNBA in 97 when it opened up now we get to I, I came on with uh, Orlando Woolworths a late. Great Orlando Woolridge as an assistant coach, Ari, and I got there in ninety nine, two thousand, and our work and the progression that we started to get to where we eventually won two championships was hard. There was a team we had to go through to beat, and that was the Houston Comets. They had a trip, a three headed monster, they had Tina Thompson, Cheryl Swoop, and Cynthia Cooper.
0: Four headed
1: days and of working. Go ahead, Smooth.
0: Four headed and Janet Arkane. They had oh, like five. Yeah,
1: But the work that we had to put in as individuals with you and I doing our work like that and then transferring that when the season came back, when most of our players came from overseas to get with the team to put the work in. And it always felt like we were just treading water, running in mud, because the first year we saw them smooth, we couldn't beat them and they would just beat us. And they always had that, that, that little thing about them. And it was toughness. But I think when you play and talk a little bit about this, when you play against great teams, they make you a great team somewhere along the line. Talk about what it took for us to get by that Houston Comet team and to eventually beat them after them winning four championships in a row.
0: Yeah. Yeah, they were definitely the toughest for everyone. And I definitely think it came down to experience. We had a young team, you know, with, with, that hadn't really won championships in their college careers. I mean, you talk about Mwadi coming over. She hadn't even gone to college. You know, we had Tamika who went to Kansas, but she hadn't won a championship. Uh, I just think we didn't have enough winning experience under our belt and it took time. And I think what you brought to us is how to win a championship. You know, uh, I had won championships in college. I mean, not in college, but in high school, I won with Team USA already. I knew what it took and the work ethic that it took to win championships. But I think to bring along a young team and to keep facing a very experienced team in Houston Commons, uh, we, we had to just age. All we had was experience and time. And so I think we finally got to a point where, you know, Meek, Tamika got enough experience under her belt. Mawadi got enough experience. We got enough, uh, you know, Delicia we got. That was another piece who came in and helped us. We had pieces. You know, we got Nikki Teasley, which was an amazing point guard. We, we had not really had a, a passer in that way. So I think the pieces came together, as well as your leadership of how to win and how tough we play at practice. I mean, you know, our, our, I mean, our practice is yeah. closed many times, yeah. <laughs> because in the work ethic, you know, and you knew you had to either put putting and D together, you had to split us up to keep the fire going, and it was just all of those little pieces that it took to really become champions. I felt like it was more an eternal battle. Uh, within us as the sparks to come together and to get strong enough and enough experience. Houston was amazing, you know, as we all saw, and their experience, the winning. Cynthia had won championships. <laughs> Cheryl had won championships. Tina had won some, but she was an essential piece. Uh, Tammy Jackson had won championships with the, uh, you know, being in the being an Olympian. And Jennifer from Brazil
1: <laughs> had been winning.
0: Yeah. So I'm like, we was up against some horses that had winning experience. And, I mean, hats off to them. They were tough to stop. And I felt like I was out there sometimes alone in the sense of understanding all their pieces, trying to figure out, damn, you know, we shut down one thing, and here comes swoops come through. You know, you shut down swoops, and then here comes Tina. It was just, and then Coop, they had all the pieces, and they were phenomenal, but made us completely better. Um, and, and that was the whole thing just trying to get over that hump of, you know, it's like when Lakers facing the Celtics, it's just that rivalry was what made you better. And what made us the 6am was all about trying to get past Houston.
1: Uh, you know, what, I'm going to commend you on this. And again, is the fact that you never gave up on your teammates. And that was the one thing that I was very impressed with, because even though we had a lot of lows, you hung in there with your teammates, you were working to get make, help, get them better. Uh, one thing, Ari, about as a coach, I would one thing I'd always do would be like ask the players, what do they, what do they see out there on the floor? And Lisa was probably one of the ones that always said something. And she was like, truly like a magic or a bird. She was a coach on the floor. You know, hey, this is what's going on. Coop, they double team me this way, so we were able to make the adjustments as a team uh, and as a coaching staff. But I do want to commend you for that. But uh, one thing, Lisa, if there was one,
0: okay, before fight- you go. Before you go past that, I want to commend you for that because now as a coach and coaching in the big three, I'm like, I can see why you would ask us those. You know, I was Whoa, always – Hold
1: saying, up, hold up, smooth. you're not just a coach in the big three, you're a championship coach in the big three because <laughs> you always had the – <laughs> she won the championship last year, had a very good season. And, yeah, okay, I'm sorry, so go ahead.
0: <laughs> but I want to say I learned that from you because – that, that may be the difference. And I don't know if that's the difference between men, not necessarily men and women coaches, but the, a, a coach who played pro versus a coach who is a college coach that the college coach sort of runs the team. They speak with their assistants. They come back and they come up with a game plan, but I don't recall my college coaches for as great as they were, T- Tar Vanderveer and, you know, Mary and Stanley, you know, to name a few, um, really ever asking what we saw and what we think is happening or what we should do. They just told us what we were doing. And so to have you as a coach, to have Carleen Thompson as a coach, you guys were great at first their interpersonal relationship with players and understanding each of us and our personalities, but as a whole, asking us what we thought in those moments while we were in the trenches was very valuable. So thank you for that. Cause that helped me as a coach as well.
1: You're welcome. Uh, one more thing I'd like to talk about uh, along the WNBA lines is that we were going, um, well, first of all, let's talk about the dunk. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know you and reading your book, Don't Let the Lipstick Fool, you had been dunking in high school and college. It was always a tennis ball, but it was uh, 30, what is it? Four, four minutes left in the first half against the Miami soul. And you had an opportunity, the ball went down and, Walk us through that and how you felt and experienced being the first woman to ever dunk in a a live professional game.
0: Well, I have to back up a little because the 2000, was that 2002?
1: Yeah. 2001. 2001.
0: 2001. The year we won the championship. Okay. So the dunk. So what happened was every time I would train with you at 545 in the morning, right? I'd leave you at about 7 a.m. Then I would go work out with my trainer, Adam, over at uh, Gold's Gym. So Adam and I would always go over my goals and I would write down my goals of what I wanted to, you know, what my three go-to moves were going to be for the season, what I wanted to do on the court, how many rebounds, just like really get specific on what I wanted to do as an individual on our team. That was the first year I had ever written down that I wanted to dunk in the WBA, which he has that sheet still. So that was the first time that he said, well, if you're going to dunk, don't you, you, do you ever practice dunking? And I'm like, no, I don't really practice dunking. So I would stay, you probably remember stay after practice and practice dunking whenever we practice at the uh, Staples Center.
1: So why would that, why would that even enter your mind?
0: Just because it was because, because people would say I had won everything. I had already won MVP. I had won, you know, Olympic gold medals. You know, the media starts to ask you, why do you keep playing? You know, and I'm like, we're well. about, you know, I'm trying to win a WNBA championship, but also just like, what else could I accomplish? And so dunking, okay, let's dunk. Dunking is another thing I haven't done. Let's put that down. So I rolled down those goals of winning a championship of dunking, of being MVP, you know, all these things that could drive me. And that's what kept me motivated. I mean, because you got to motivate yourself. Plus we play in the summer. So you think we're off for at least seven months, you know, off season, And in those months, I have to be driven to go to work out every day with you. I think we took maybe Fridays off. I can't remember. But I think we definitely did four days a week. Yeah. Um, Then I would go with Adam, you know, uh, pretty much five days a week, you know, training, lifting, uh, doing agility, meet him on the track. So for me, I had to have some goals in, in place to stay focused. So here we go, speed it up to this day. We're playing Miami. Now I'm pissed off this day. You might remember because we were losing to Miami. And they were, you know how you just be like, some teams is just, I hate when we lose at home. You know, we had set that goal never to lose at home. I hate losing in front of our crowd. I appreciate the fact that our fans would come during the summer and watch us. And Miami was whack. I was just like, this team, we should not be losing to them.
1: All right, they were one of them teams that just kind of like just stuck to you, kind of like the Celtics did. They just stuck to you, gum on your shoe. Anyway, go ahead, Smooth. Mm -hmm.
0: Well, they were just pieces. Like, you know, it wasn't like, it wasn't a Houston. It wasn't a New York. It's like Miami had some good pieces. But I just, I don't like when we didn't play to our level, our potential. I mean, we won a championship in that year and we lost to Miami. So that's how you know we weren't playing our best. Yep. We were down, and I remember thinking, like, we had – you had called a timeout before I dunked, and when you were kind of going off on us, and I'm like, y'all, come on, like, this is some good. You know, I was mad in the huddle. So (laughs) we came out, and I was like, let's just turn up our defense. Like, if we get some defensive stops, we could get back in it, you know. And so we came out, and that's what happened. We kind of – Tato got a a steal. So I was running down. She got a steal, and I kind of turned around, and she threw it ahead. And I had a kind of just, part of it, I was pissy, you know, I had an attitude and I'm like, yeah, let's turn this thing around. And I just kind of, you know, went up and I dunked it because that was where I had practiced dunking before. And when I dunked it, I think in the moment after I dunked it, I was like, yeah, like, hell yeah, like, let's go. You know, and we start jumping all around because the realization was that I dunked it not thinking like I'm the first and all of that. It was just that I had done it, and, and the team reacted in the way I wanted them to. Like, let's go. Now let's win. And then we really lost that game, you know?
1: <laughs> you know what? That's a, a, a catch-22, because as I was sitting there, and they threw it, because I was mad at you guys. I remember I was sitting like this, and I was like, okay. And, when she, and once you got the basketball, you started, but I said, she's getting ready to dunk this fucking ball. She's yeah. she serious. And uh, when it happened, it didn't shock me, Ari, because everything that we had been working up to and all the things, that she, Smooth is a person that when she puts her mind to do something, because she wanted to know the Elijah one move. She wanted to learn that move that underneath a certain, it was a certain kind of move. She yeah. did it until we mastered it. So when she did, when she took her steps, I said, This woman is getting ready to dump this ball. And when she did it, I at first, I, I was like, I wasn't shocked because I expected that from her. But once she did it and realizing this is a basketball player, but a woman basketball player, I jumped up off there. I was acting, just running around. (laughs) It was an amazing thing. The fans reacted. And uh, you know what? It was almost we didn't really care because we saw something that was a first for a lot of fans in the women's game. But uh, something first done in Los Angeles, along with William Chepard <laughs> Show. Yeah, that was
0: funny. I was mad though, I was mad.
2: So give me an idea of what it was like to, to get into the Hall of Fame, especially kind of like we talked about earlier, where when you're growing up, you know, your only avenue for, for, for getting into the Basketball Hall of Fame as a female is through the Olympics. So, you know, I mean, and obviously you're a pretty decorated Olympian yourself. So you probably have a Hall of Fame career just with the Olympics, but just you know, give us some idea of your feelings of getting into the Hall of Fame, especially knowing growing up that you know it was not going to be as easy as it would be for a men's player that has the NBA.
0: You know, I got to be honest with you. I, either I was not, maybe I'm not a true basketball aficionado, but I had never once thought about the Hall of Fame or um, just. I, I don't know if I would say I didn't know of the Hall of Fame, but it just, I didn't connect the dots. I really didn't. Uh, I didn't even think about it until I retired. And then someone told me, you know, you have to wait five years and then you go into the Hall of Fame. And I'm like, Oh, the Hall of Fame. Like, I don't know. I just uh, never thought about, I can't, I wouldn't even lie to you and tell you, Oh, I was dreaming of. I didn't know. I'm telling you me with basketball, basketball became a means to an end for me. Like, and maybe that's the part where Coop's talking about. As a female, you know, I, I realized it was um, seventh grade. If I play basketball and I get good enough, I can get a scholarship. So I think it was piece by piece. And, again, you got to think that I'm, you know, I'm born in 72. So my exposure, even the Olympics happened in 1984 in Los Angeles, and I never saw a game. So I wasn't into sports because no one in my house was really into sports like that. Mm-hmm. I didn't have a dad, so I don't have I didn't have, you know, brothers in the house. So I think for me, um basketball was was very much just like I I came in as a student of the game very far behind. I started playing when I was twelve and other girls were had already they understood like which way to go. They knew the rules, you know, the ref would blow the whistle and I'd look at the ref holding <laughs> the ball and didn't know I to travel. Like I was not a student of the game in the way that I always love to learn. And so for me, I've been a good listener and just learning to listen to my coaches and just like, what did you say? What do you want me to do? Okay, I'm gonna go out there and do it. And then if I don't do it, I need to go practice how to do that. And so I came into the game behind Mm. learning and being a student of the game from day one. And so that never stopped. Just my appetite for learning and the education. And then I think uh, having really great coaches. You know, I had a really good high school coach who, you know, he he would teach me how to block shots by putting all my teammates in one line and I would stand there and everybody had to come make a layup. And I just blocked that shot and learned to block it and then they'd come from both sides and I'd block with my left hand and block it. that's how I learned to block shots. And then I started to realize, oh, you know, after them scoring and I start sending shots, I'm like, oh, hell yeah, I'm going to play defense. Like, defense is it because I can block shots, you know. And I'm like, and who learns like that? And then I learned how to do runners with my coach holding a broom and me shooting over him, getting the ball, getting height on the ball, you know. So I feel like I came in just learning and having coaches who love to teach me because I would listen. You know, I didn't talk back. They said, you know, do do hook shots. I'd walk in and walk in circles and do a hundred hook shots, left hand and then right hand. So as a student of the game and really loving to learn. I was just, I felt like it was just perfect timing, but my eyes were never set on things like accomplishing all of these goals far out. It really became, I think, micro, you know, I, I broke it down into micro pieces. of yeah. You know, what's next is that I can get a scholarship to college. If I keep training, boom, I get the scholarship. I play at SC. And then I figure out, Oh, people play overseas. Like women play overseas. Uh, okay. Then I made my USA team. Now, USA became uh, more of a goal because I made my first junior national team as an 11th grader. My first time on a plane ever, I went to Colorado Springs where the Olympic Training Center is, tried out and made the junior national team as the only high school kid. That probably also opened up my horizon that I was in there with all college women and everybody had on numbers one through like 500. It was a gym full of three gym, three courts full of women playing ball, and I'm out here like blocking shots and, and tearing up college girls, not knowing. And then they're like, you know who that was? I'm like, no, I don't know none of these girls. You know, Cheryl Miller was there, uh Cynthia Cooper's there. Wow. Uh Pam McGee is in there, you know, Teresa Edwards, Katrina McClain, and I'm 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 toe to toe with them. But uh not knowing who they were probably made it better for me. I wasn't in awe. I'm just trying to, I'm trying to block everybody's shot. <laughs> so, so I actually blocked like Katrina McLean's shot. And I mean, it was a big deal. So I came down to the finalists and they didn't put me on the national team because I was only in the um, 11th grade. So they put me on the junior national uh, team.
1: Smooth. You know, basketball has brought all of us so much uh, joy uh, through the things that we've accomplished individually and uh, as team. Uh, but it also brings a little bit of pain, too, to us, okay? Um, talk a little bit about, if you want to, or if you can, about the death of Kobe Bryant, how that affected you.
0: Well, you know, I think the unexpected situation for with Kobe was just, it just hits home, I think, for all of us, because, I don't know, it's not that you feel that you're you're invincible or anything, but... It was just shocking. It was just shocking. i I'd probably say I was just on this sofa crying for, for days. And then I text uh, Eileen, who's with Nike, because, you know, we're both Nike athletes. And I'm like, is this true? Because I was friggin' just like everybody else, saw it on TMZ. And then, um, you know, and she was like, let me check. She checked and she texted me and she said, yes. And, you know, and Gigi was there too. This is before it was all on the news. And I was just like you know, done like everybody else. I think it's just, you know, it's just unexpected. It just really is. And and it's so tragic. And then I say, you know, I, I think about it like the triumphs of all the things that you and I and some of us athletes who have accomplished at the, the pinnacle of the sport, you know, to win gold medals, to win championships, to be a champion, to be on the stage, to play in L.A. It's like storybook for all of us who've been able to put on the purple and gold but then for it to be so tragic, you know, yeah. that for me, the dichotomy of the, the triumph and the tragedy is just, it's just overwhelming. You know, I think it still is, but, um, wow. I mean, it's just, it's just unbelievable. It really is. Really I think awesome. the other part though, um, you know, I got into the situation cause I haven't talked about this since I had an interview with Gail King, but the thing is, is that, um, I kept getting all these calls and interviews obviously people knew that we were friends and we were, you know, just close. And I had like over a hundred interview requests and I wasn't doing any interviews. I'm like, I'm not doing no interviews. I'm not talking about it. I don't, I can't talk about it. I'm on the sofa. You know, I reached out to Jelly I got a chance to talk to Kenneth, you know, his mom, his sister, just, just the family, you know, going back and forth with Vanessa. So everything was cool. But I kept going, you know, I asked that, you know, people keep asking me about doing interviews. I don't know what to do. I think the last thing was, I was just kind of like, you know what, I'll just pick one. I'll, I'll sit down and just, just get it over tell my story, you know, with Gail King and it'll be good. And then that just turned out to be not good. Yeah. You know? And then from there, I was like, I'm never going to talk about it again. I'm not, because I wasn't trying to do the interview to be like, oh, it's about me. Yeah. You know, I was <clears> just trying to get interview like there's another side of the story that a lot of people don't know about him and how much he studied the game how much we were alike you know what I mean just our work ethic and just studying the game and watching video and being a student of the game and I kind of had saw these interviews with other people and I'm like they don't really know him you know they know the basketball player but they don't know Toby. so yeah. that was the, the gist of it but it was heartbreaking for real
1: uh, uh, what a wonderful thing that WNBA did uh, for Gigi and her two teammates on that is to make them honorary draftees. Uh, that was, you know, that I'm an emotional person. You know, I cry at the hat. When I saw that smooth, I just started crying again because, again, uh, you know, you hate for anyone to, to depart this world, especially that way. But you know what? He went doing something with his daughter and what he loves the most, sharing
2: basketball yeah. with her. So uh, that was great.
0: Yeah. Um, all right.
2: Yeah. To that end, you know, and I know you you brought this up in that that Gail King interview, but how Im- how impactful Kobe was to further the women's game, and that was so important because of what Kobe meant to the men's game and the the the, the what he was showing to the women's game.
0: I, I think when you and and I give this credit to Coop and to Shaq and to a lot of the men. Especially when we were in the Olympics, they didn't see us different, like, oh, that's the women's player. They recognize our skills, our talent, our hard work, our moves. Like, you know, they're on the side, like, ooh, you know, they would cheer for us. And I think once you really just get away from the whole difference in gender and just appreciate the game, so many men love basketball and to watch us and our shooting and our style and our skills and how we play. Um, and, And I think that Kobe, was one of those guys prior to even him having Gigi, we talked basketball all the time. It wasn't like because I'm a female, Kobe respected my game, my knowledge of the game, all of that. And so for him to have one of our kids and we would always talk about our kids because you know you always want somebody, I mean Coop knows, you want somebody to love basketball. You know, (laughs) but you don't want to put pressure on them, but we side we on the side just looking like even when they took how fast they run after the ball, you know, it's like that's what we do as parents and so when you have one that has that passion and that fight you're like oh I got one you know and we would talk and kind of laugh about it because I'm like that about my son which my daughter plays tennis but with my son it's like oh it's in there like you'll see it in Coop knows you know you talk about with Neil we talk about our kids and them having the that if factor is that thing that it is it, you got to be born with it It's it's the will to want to win. It's that fight. It's that heart. And when you're excited, and not saying that you don't love all your kids. You love all your kids. Everything's good. But when one has it, you get a little bit something inside of you that's like, they got it. You can tell. It's their feistiness. It's how they, their determination. It's their self-discipline, if you will. We would talk, Toby and I, about how Gigi had that. And we'd kind of crack up laughing. We you know, you bumping. I mean, she was young. She was like seven, eight, you know, and you're just excited about it and you know that it's coming. And so um, what Kobe did was see the game from her eyes, but also educating her. It didn't matter what, who she was watching in basketball, whether it was college pros, men, there was always something to learn. And that's really the key about the sport. There's something you can always learn from watching anybody play. And he was teaching her how to see the game.
1: And She could definitely see, she can definitely mm-hmm. see it. Uh, this is Lisa Leslie with us. Smooth, a couple more questions, and we're going to let you go because we know you got your family. Uh, how do you think this COVID-19 has affected the WNBA?
0: Well, I think it's affected everyone in a way that you should come out appreciating your sport, your platform, and your opportunity, your job that you have. Um, I think it's been tough for athletes. And you know, Coop, once we get out of shape, Woo, that is a tough thing. And you get out of shape in two weeks tops. Yeah. <laughs> you got it. So it's going to be tough for every athlete who does not have the ability to get out and run on the track, who doesn't have the ability to do some some true wind sprints or a 17 on the court, getting shots up. You know, our touch goes away within three days. If you're not in the gym, you know, you could have been – you could have had 20, 25 points. Go miss, sit down for three days and don't pick up the ball. And you you know, I mean, you're going, it's going to take you 25, 30 shots just to get those, you know, those points. So the touch in the game for basketball is just, it's going to be tough and it may be ugly when you see it come back. The turnovers, the timing will be off. You pray that people don't get injured because yeah. that's the other thing, you know, just almost people used to say, you know how you used to ask me all the time, Smooth, do we want a day off? I'm like, I don't want no day off. No. I used to tell you, I remember, no yep. days off. I don't want it to, I'd rather come in and do, 45 minutes of just shooting and you talking to us or us watch video than to take a day off. Cause to take a day off, number one, we're going to come back and you was going to kill us anyway.
2: <laughs> right.
0: you, you lose your touch. You know yeah. what I mean? So you got to take your moments, but to be off for COVID-19, it's, it's got to be tough for every single athlete, especially those that were training for the Olympics. Yeah,
1: let's hope everybody's staying in shape. So we'll give you a couple of names, and I want you to give me something about them. This is called Coop's Lightning Round, okay? Kevin Durant.
0: Oh, that's a, might, maybe the most, maybe the best prolific score that we've seen as far as putting that ball in the basket. I don't know how many people can do it as efficiently as he does or better.
1: Cynthia Cooper.
0: Oh, that's the that's baller. Cynthia is a ball. Do I have to say one word? I can give a whole like sentence about it. Right? Give a
1: whole sentence or however you want to put it.
0: <laughs> she's my she's my USC uh, fighting Trojan. So you know we 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 got that inner city, but we also can uh be up there at the top with the best of them. She's a true competitor and a winner.
1: Steph Curry and Klay Thompson.
0: Uh, the Splash Brothers uh, is an amazing duo. Uh, their size and height and ability to shoot the ball. I don't know if we – well, I don't want to discredit anybody in different times, but they are one of the best duels that we've, we've seen in our time when it comes to putting that ball in the basket offensively.
1: And I say these names together because you can't say them until, unless you say them together. Magic Johnson Larry Bird. Ooh.
0: Magic Johnson and Larry Bird are uh, game changers. Was, so many of us fell in love with the game because of those two men and their, their ability to compete but also be classy. Um, true winners making their teammates better, Larry bird, like me, a lefty but shot righty <laughs> uh, they they're just just two amazing two amazing men who changed the game of basketball forever
1: and uh last person i 'm going to ask you about because I see you as the female version of him hakeem Wan. hakeem Olajuwon,
0: uh the best footwork that we've ever seen in the game of basketball. The most, I don't know, because I do love Kareem, but Akeem Olajuwon, when it comes to footwork and the counter moves, I don't know if anybody was better than that, dude. Left hand, right hand, spin move at that five position. Probably my all-time favorite post player for sure.
1: I knew that. That's why. And last but not least, Lauren Jackson.
0: Lauren Jackson, probably one of the toughest competitors, an excellent scorer. Um, that pick and roll, whether she pop a roll, one of the toughest to guard, um and probably the only player who I really think uh, truly hated me. Sue, <laughs> 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 okay. I tell
1: you this: you made her the MVP after you finally left because she learned from you all the lessons you were giving her—lefts, rights, step backs.
0: She was. She was. She was excellent, though. She was really good. She was very talented.
1: Smooth. And you know, I always just tell you this, is that remember we would go over to UCLA and play against Magic's guys over there. And I said, you know, and I used to tell them guys over there, I said, listen, if you guys just play her and don't get too physical with her, just play her, Lisa can kick all y'all's ass over here. And she used to give them buckets, man, lefts, right, until they got mad and they got physical and started banging on her a little bit. And she'd go up for her jumper and they put her hand on her hip and kind of knock her off balance is when she struggled a little bit. But I told Cedric Maxwell this, that Lisa Leslie, had she played in the league, would whoop your ass. <laughs> <laughs> and I believe that. I really do believe that. Smooth, how well, do you think you would have fairly? I the
0: always respected the man's game. And I and, and you know I play with men all the time. you've yeah. seen me play with gay players. And you're right. Uh there's a certain level of physicality that I, I won't say no woman. There Maybe somebody will be born that I could really handle, but Men are just stronger. I mean, and you know, I had to use, you know, I played a two guard when I played with the guys who made sure I came off screens and shooting, but I could never play in the post with the men. I, would, I mean, I'm not saying I couldn't do it and score, but just physically, it just, yeah, I couldn't really guard Kareem and Kareem guard me. Like, it wouldn't, that wouldn't work out. Uh, they're physically stronger, but my ability to score, I could definitely score. And, and I could be in a game and hit some buckets, that's for sure. Uh, <laughs> better than some people who are always streaky and missing like I would have been able to score but you're right you know if you would uh you know ISO me and you get a guy who just really is like I ain't having it I'm about to put her on the floor which has happened to me you know uh yeah it's 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 you know it's, it's not a it, it would be very tough but you put five on five and we really just playing in the floor of the game and coming on screens uh absolutely and I'm so thankful to you Coop I'm thankful to Magic I'm thankful for all those NBA guys that gave me an opportunity to come out there and train with you guys and play at UCLA. You know, I, I hate to give UCLA a shout out, but they, they really allowed me to get out there and play, yeah. pick up, you know, score. So, you know, I get seven out of the 11 buckets, you know, then somebody get mad, <laughs> tear me up, but it was awesome. So thank you. you. always got back I, up. Please. Before you go, I want you to know I love you. I appreciate everything you've done for me in my career, my family, my friend. I really do admire you and respect you. And I thank you for everything you've given me.
1: Feeling is neutral, smooth. Lisa Leslie, everyone.